think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're going to throw me out of here, fellas. You're going to get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like in Argentina, for River Plate or Boca Juniors. Or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matt look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 339 of Low Limit Football on this special edition Wednesday, the 20th of October, 2021. I am your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight we are just giving you a quick special show. We're going to do a recap of the Champions League, all the groups, as we have hit the, hit, the halfway point in the uh, Champions League for 2021-2022. So let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. I know we've had some time off. Um, trying to make our schedules melt, and, and then obviously I didn't feel well this weekend. But uh, So I haven't talked to you in a couple of weeks, so how have you been, my friend? Yeah, man, I've been good. It's good to be back, obviously. you know, I think we have a lot to speak about, but certainly I think we're going to focus on what's been going on in the Champions League. But uh, no, it's been good, man, and certainly better than the Icardi Wanda Nara family, that's for sure. That is insanity. Isn't it funny? That I, like I just said uh, to Nima Tavale, Wanda Icardi is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, she just, she just is. And, you know, um, would be better, I guess, if we got Antonio Cassano involved, I think that would make a little more entertaining. No, um, that would make it more violent. What are you on about? <laughs> have a little bit of a wrestling match, but, um, but let me, you know what, let, we'll digress a little bit. That's we, if we're going to digress off Icardi for a second, uh, Rueda out at uh, Paraguay for the national team, um, and talks of Guillermo Barroscoloto coming in for them. Uh, your thoughts on Scalotto, if he's come in already, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Berizzo. Um, is out at Paraguay. Uh, so your thoughts on sacking Berizzo this way, halfway through the qualifying for uh, the World Cup for Paraguay, and Skeloto, is he the right uh, answer for this team? Yeah, it's, it's very weird, obviously. We're talking about Eduardo Berizzo, who got sacked yeah. uh, from the Paraguay national team due to their 4-0 loss in Bolivia uh, a couple weeks ago. And, you know, I, I think it's weird because, you know, obviously this is a manager that has history, that has obviously managed teams like Boca, Lanús, did some stuff at LA Galaxy as well. Mm -hmm. But that's the thing for me. It's like he doesn't really have that kind of a big understanding of Paraguayan soccer. His brother, uh, his twin brother, Gustavo, I think was an assistant manager for, for one of the coaches here in Paraguay a long time ago. But that's about it. So, yeah, I'm curious. He's definitely a very much a, an attacking manager. So, obviously... 
the big question will be if that same philosophy that he's always been upon will be used because this Paraguay side needs to score goals. They need to get points if they're going to even think of making it to the World Cup. So obviously I don't want to criticize anyone before they um, join and, and get the ground get on the ground running. But um, it's not my choice of a manager because of inexperience from a national team perspective. But I wish him the best like any other manager that comes to that, uh, manage Paraguay. Yeah, and, you know, just as we talked about it real quick, and again, I, I don't want to get too far down in the woods on this one, but um, for me, just a, I think right now a change in idea wouldn't be a bad thing for Paraguay. Um, I, I don't like changing coaches halfway through qualifying. I'm, I, that does not bode well for me. Uh, but I think that as long as he can change the ideas to get these guys across the finish line, I think the top two spots are, are decided in, in Conmebol. I think Brazil is number one, Argentina is number two, and I don't think much is going to change there. Um, but, you know, we're playing for two spots here, and, and I think that if he can just keep them close, he's going to get his opportunity, but uh, it's got to be something that he's got to change the ideas and really change them drastically so that the other teams don't understand what he's trying to do. Maybe he sneaks up, maybe he catches somebody, um, but, again, I don't like changing midway through. Hopefully, we're you know, especially for you, I'm always hoping for the best, and uh, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, if Scalotto comes in, he turns it around, um, and, and makes things, you know, go in the right direction for Paraguay. So let's uh, stop going down that, that, uh, that road and let's get to the Champions League uh, that we've hit the halfway point earlier today. So let's, let's start out, I think, by giving everybody the group standings as we sit uh, after three matches. And I'll start in Group A, of course. PSG currently leading the way on seven points. Man City on second on six points. Club Brugge on four points. And RB Leipzig, no points so far. Three straight losses to open the Champions League this season. Group B, Liverpool on top on nine points. Atleti on four points. And we'll talk about that Liverpool-Atleti match in just a little bit. Uh, Porto in third place on four points. And AC Milan also no points as well. Only scored three goals so far, which is interesting. Uh, Group C, I think the, the surprise here, Ajax. Uh, nine points, 11 goals scored, only one conceded. They've had a magnificent run so far. Dortmund in second on six points. Sporting on third on three points. And Besiktas, uh, no points as well. Group D, the Sheriff is still in town. Currently co-leaders with Real Madrid at six points. Uh, Sheriff Terraspal, who we uh, we had Emi Rosu on uh, just a couple weeks ago and had a great discussion about Sheriff Terraspal. Uh, Inter in third place on four points. And Shakhtar Donetsk on one point. A little underwhelming to me. They haven't scored a goal yet in this competition. Bayern Munich, I think by far the best team so far in Champions League performances this season. Currently perfect, 3 for 3, 12 goals scored, none conceded, 9 points, leading Group E. Benfica in second on 4 points. Barcelona gets their first goal today, and they are on 3 points after their win against uh, Dinamo Kiev earlier today. Dinamo Kiev uh, only on 1 point uh, after an opening uh, draw against Benfica. Group F, Manchester United, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, really the... The, the the fandom, the the Manchester United Twitter is entertaining, but sometimes I don't think it's as entertaining as the Facebook Man United Twitter, which is which is definitely off the wall. Um, but here's Man United uh, and about, you know, at the time of this recording, about five hours ago, uh, we were at Sack Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Now we're keeping him again. United, six points, leading Group F right now. Atalanta, four points. Villarreal, four points. Young Boys, remember, they opened with that big upset of United. Uh, lost two straight, and they're currently on three points. Group G, RB Salzburg. This is the group of life, by the way. Salzburg on seven points. Sevilla on three points. Lille on two points. Wolfsburg also on two points. Rob, I saw a great stat today that Lille have not won a home Champions League match since 2006. Amazing stat there. Uh, group H, 
Juventus leading the way. Perfect again. Uh, perfect here. The other perfect team. Nine points. Five goals scored. None conceded as well. Chelsea in second place, and we're going to talk about them in depth in a little bit. Five goals scored. One goal conceded. They are on six points after losing to uh, Juventus uh, earlier in this competition. Zenit on three points, and Malmo currently have not scored a goal. No points, no goals. Uh, not much going on for them. So let's look at the Tuesday uh, results. So the results from yesterday. Ajax Dortmund 4-0. We're going to come back to that match in a moment. Liverpool on the road at the Wanda Metropolitano beating Atleti, uh, a red, uh, I'm sorry, 10-man Atleti 3-2. We'll talk about the Griezmann red card and the and the penalty kick situation there in a minute. FC Porto 1-0 over AC Milan. Inter 3-1 over Sheriff Tiraspol. Uh, a comeback win for Inter in that one. PSG 3-2 over RB Leipzig. A brace for uh, Lionel Messi in that one. Real Madrid 5-0 over Shakhtar Donetsk. Sporting uh, 4-1 victors over Besiktas. And Man City had opened the day on Tuesday with a 5-1 victory over Club Brugge. Let's talk about... Um, let's start with Ajax, right, Rob? Let's let's do that. Um, Ajax 4-0 over Dortmund. Like I would mentioned earlier, 11 goals scored, 1 goal conceded. They're currently perfect on the group. This is a team that's lost um, Johnny Vanderbeek. They've lost uh, Frankie de Jong, Matthijs de Ligt, uh, Hakim Ziyech. Uh, they're, they're on pace to lose Onana at this point right now because many clubs are fancying him. Um, and they just keep on returning and returning and returning. The success at Ajax right now and, and Edwin van der Sar and everybody at the, top, at the front, uh, Eric Ten Hag as well, whose name has come up on a million jobs at this point, um, has, has been utterly impressive. And you look at the flip side of this match, Dortmund, Erling Haaland, held, score, held goalless in this, comp- in, in this match. So, you know, the return leg comes up in Dortmund in a couple of weeks. Ajax are ready to put that first foot into the, into the knockout stage door. What are your thoughts on Ajax so far? Thoughts on this match and thoughts on even on the group itself, Rob? No, it's it's impressive, I think, obviously. I think more importantly than everything, Joe, even though all of those players that you had mentioned had left Ajax over the last two years, they were still able to keep probably their most important asset, and that was Eric Ten Hag. You know? mm, yeah. I think a manager like him you know, has done so much for Ajax over the last few seasons that I think he understands that you know that what he did in that Champions League um campaign two years ago was no fluke that he wanted to try and do something even better um obviously the better would be to win it i'm not saying that ix have the potential to to obviously win the champions league at this moment but you know with results that like they're doing against dortmund um keeping early holland arguably one of the best players in the world scoreless is is a remarkable achievement and you know they have some good players at their disposal you know i don't say that um all those departures that they've had made them much more weaker i mean they still have the likes of dusan Tadej, they have Danny Blind, you know, they have uh, Sebastian Haller, Anthony, a player on the Brazil team. He's done very well. Um, Alvin Alvarez as well. You got, uh, sorry, Edson Alvarez, the Mexican player. You got uh, Lisandro Martinez as well, the Argentine. So, you know, it's a team with a lot of experience and a lot of youth as well. Um, and, you know, that's so customary of what IX has always been for the last few seasons. So this is nothing new that we're seeing, but it's um, it's good to see. And then obviously for Dortmund, I think with Marco Jose, being this manager, I mean, you know, they're still trying to find an identity, you would say, in the on this team. And, you know, obviously they're still, you know, fighting it out over there in the, in the Bundesliga under Bayern and, mm-hmm. and everything like that. But, you know, when it comes to the Champions League, you know, I think that's something that they kind of want to, you know, cause a surprise. And, you know, it's still a young team. You know, obviously 
they lost their main asset with uh, Jaden Sancho going to Manchester United, but it's still a good team. It's still a young team. And, you know, I, I think looking at the group at itself, I think it's still very much open. I think when you look at, you know, all the teams, you know, the fact that there's still a return leg for Dortmund and Ajax means that, you know, that Dortmund are still in with a chance to possibly win the group. Um, but, you know, Ajax's achievement so far in this in this group um, is nothing short of remarkable. And, you know, with, with Sporting and Vesikas, I mean, Vesikas haven't won a single game yet. Uh, Sporting, you know, just won their, actually, their first game against Vesikas. So maybe they can still surprise some of these teams in the last three games. I don't know. But looking at it right now, I think Dortmund and Ajax are clear front runners to get out of the group. It's just a question of who goes in over the other. Yeah, Sebastian Heller currently leading all goal scorers in the Champions League with six. Uh, amazing performance so far. Let's look at that Atleti-Liverpool matchup because this was this was definitely full of drama. Um, it's not easy to go into the Wanda Metropolitano and win, uh, but Liverpool jumped out to a 2-0 lead with goals by uh, Mo Salah and Naby Keita. Griezmann then scores a brace, and this is all before the first half, to tie it up going into the locker room, and then disaster strikes. Um, with Antoine Griezmann in the 52nd minute picking up a red card, uh, for me, uh, warranted. It was not uh, intentional. It wasn't um, uh, malicious in, in terms of his, his foul, but you've got to be in control of your body. He was not, and, and certainly, uh, you know, kicking Roberto Firmino in the head, stubs up, uh, studs up, I, I think, is, you know, red card. I don't think there's much argument there. And then Mo Salah picks up the, uh, the penalty uh, kick in the 78th minute, but then we go back down to the other side of the pitch, where a penalty was called and then the referee goes to VAR and then reverses his call. Um, I, I watched, it was Diogo Yota who, uh, who committed the foul in the box on a free kick. You know, for me, Roberto, I, I watched the penalty replay. Um, and when you watch it in slow motion, you kind of think, oh, there's not a ton there. But when you watch it at full speed from that back view from the goal, I, I look at the at the rule and and the way VAR is set up. VAR is set up so that a referee changes his call for a clear and obvious error. And I don't think calling the penalty was a clear and obvious error. Was it a soft penalty? Yeah, you could say that. But let's ask this: if that foul was committed in the middle of the pitch, is that foul called? And I think yes. And I think at that point, a clear and obvious error wasn't made. I think wiping the the penalty off the board was um, an error, and, and an error that, that obviously Cholo Simeone was stormed off the pitch after the match because he was angry about, and I don't blame him. Um, but again, another match back and forth, four goals in the first half, very, very exciting stuff. Um, and, the, and the second leg will be exciting. You're not going to have Antoine Griezmann there. Um, you know, you're going to have Luis Suarez returning to Anfield on this one as well, another great storyline. And obviously all to play for in the group, given that these are the top two teams in the group. What were your thoughts on this match? No, I think it's a, it was a very entertaining match. I think obviously when you look at both the teams that you know are really looking into this competition with all the ambition to win it, I think obviously Liverpool have the better side at the moment, and it was demonstrated in this type of match. Um, and you know, obviously with someone like Mo Salah, who's probably on form, the best player in the world right now, I think it's rightly deserved. I think when you look at the VAR situation as well, it's always been those kind of inconsistencies. We've seen that it's. It's, you know, the clear and obvious error. Where is it? We don't know. And it's still so frustrating to see that you're not seeing that. Yeah. Um, in terms of what we're going to see for this entire group, yeah, I think we probably have it decided, actually, Joe. I think 
you know, for Milan's case, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed that they really haven't come out with a fight. Obviously, you know, the loss against Porto really kind of killed their chances of possibly getting out of the group stage. But, you know, it's still open. I mean, they, they definitely need to win the return leg at home. And, you know, they still have to play Atleti and Liverpool, playing Liverpool at home. And then, obviously, traveling to the Wanda Metropolitano to play on Atleti. So, it's still very much open, but I think with Liverpool's case, and you know, if Atleti do indeed get the win against Porto in the return and the um, in probably the last game, actually, it might get decided to that. So yeah, still pretty much open, but I think in the case of what Liverpool have been demonstrating, I think it's clear to say that they're really looking to go for this title. Yeah, you make a great point on AC Milan, my friend, and, and you know, one of the things is they were dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, no Frank Kessie for this match, no Teo Hernandez for this match. They had to bring on, uh, you know, a 40-year-old Zlatan Ibrahimovic who's not in match fitness coming off an injury to try and possibly salvage a goal in this one against Porto. Uh, I think the two weeks of rest, you know, of Champions League rest will do them some, some good. Uh, and coming back to the San Siro, I think will help them. I think you might get your first win against Porto in that second leg and, and maybe they'll try to make it interesting, but I agree with you. I think the two teams that are at the top right now in Liverpool and Atleti are going to be the two teams we're going to see move through. And I think we've always expected that. But, um, yeah, just unfortunate to see AC Milan. Good to have them back in the Champions League, but certainly unfortunate that they've they've had such a, a tough run of hit so far. Uh, the last match that I do want to discuss real quick, and I want to bring it up here, is the PSG-Leipzig match. Um, Lee, uh, you know, with Leipzig, obviously Jesse Marsh, American coach. Um, you know, you've got Tyler Adams there as well. So I know that Americans will have a rooting interest in this team and in this match. But obviously the, the great Lionel Messi uh, scores a brace in the second half, including a 74th minute penalty to give them the 3-2 win. Uh, Kylian Mbappe misses a penalty. This is one I, I think we need to send a message to Jonathan Johnson, who um, who obviously is incredible coverage of French football, but certainly with an inside look at PSG. And with Messi on a, a hat trick at that point when the penalty is called, Tied career-wise overall with Cristiano Ronaldo for hat-tricks in the Champions League. Um, who makes the decision to go, nah, Leo, we're not going to give you the ball. We're going to give it to Mbappe, who then promptly kicks a 20-yard field goal in, in American football terms uh, right over the crossbar. <laughs> you know, felt the shame. You could see it on his face. Um, but who makes the decision for Messi not to take that penalty, especially when he already converted that beautiful Panenka in the 74th minute? And, you know... PSG, are you concerned that this Leipzig team, again, another one that's been decimated by, by you know, losing players like Upamecano. We're going to talk about Timo Werner in a minute. Um, they lost Nabi Keita a few years ago. You know, the, really the, the core that they keep building um, and are having a, a tough go of it here in Champions League, go into the Parc de Prince and, you know, hold it until the 60th minute, hold a 2-1 lead over PSG, one of the argued favorites to win the whole tournament. What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I, I feel very much concerned about PSG. I was thinking about this actually the other day. It's like, you look at the, the games that they played, you know, they lost to Rennes, I think, before the international break. They had to come back and get a win as well. Um, I forgot who they played. I'm just double-checking just to make sure. Um, Angers, my fault, yeah. So that, that was yes. the team that they played before this Champions League game, and they had to come back and win it as well. So I'm 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 very much concerned of, like... You know, I think they have enough to dominate Liga, but, you know, it's is it the same old, same old in the Champions League? Good enough for the league, but not good enough for the big um, the big tournaments, like the, the Champions League. And, you know, obviously a lot was made and spent this summer to assure that this team was literally going to be one of the best in the world, and it just hasn't convinced, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the case of Pochettino. I mean, obviously, 
we know he has a, a reasonable CV, but, you know, there are people that criticize him as well. And you, you look at, you know, is that chemistry really working with the likes of, okay, and Neymar wasn't playing, but, you know, even the game against Bruges where it was 1-1, they had a good game against City. You have to say that at least. But it's like it's so inconsistent. And you think to yourself, you know, if they're not careful, they might really go into an early exit. I'm not saying that they're going to get eliminated in the group stage, but, like, when it comes to those big games in the – Round of 16 quarterfinals, you feel as if, though, do they have enough at their disposal despite all the star names that they have? If they're not tactically sound and they're not really um, feeling that kind of energy to, to go and win these games, it's it's concerning. For City, on the other hand, I think we know this type of team has always done well on the group stage. You know, I, I think it's always, you know, obviously <laughs> similar case to PSG, you know, they come into this into this tournament with all the ambition in the world to win it because I think that's the main thing. They've already done everything that they could domestically in England, winning the Premier League, uh, the EFL Cup, and obviously the FA Cup, but now they really want to win the Champions League. And, you know, losing that final a couple months ago to Chelsea um, definitely hurt the team, but I think they're, they come, they're really trying to get stronger and understand that, you know, they, they really want to win it. So similar cases to what... Uh, I guess there are similarities to PSG and Man City in terms of their ambition, but one team looks to be in the driver's seat in terms of um, how they perform despite being in second place, but another team is looking a bit suspect, you would say, despite topping the group at the moment. Yeah, and you know, a good point about um, about Neymar missing in this when he's picked up an injury on international duty. Um, one of the concerns here going forward, I mean, I, and again, I think, you know, PSG and, and City are going through in this group. Um, PSG have two of their last three game matches on the road. They're not going to be at the Parc de Prince anymore. Uh, the only home match they have left is against Brugge at the uh, you know towards the end. Um, but they're going to have to go to Leipzig. They're going to have to go to City, and and I think those are going to be tough challenges. And they may not win the group. This is one of those spots where PSG are going to have to take the hard road, um, being the second place team, finding one of those you know you know finding a Bayern Munich in the round of 16 if you think about it uh a team I think nobody wants to face right now and and, and that's going to be an issue I think PSG and and given that they're nine points ahead of Lens right now in the uh in the Ligue 1 you know they've not to say they've got that sealed up but they've got that sealed up I mean this is the focus this is the prize and and they've really got to do Pochettino's got to do a better job of managing the players managing their time, managing their freshness to be able to really focus midweek as opposed to focusing on the weekends in league one. Cause I think that one's going to be wrapped up, you know, before we open Christmas presents. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how group a does play out, especially that return leg between city and PSG in Manchester is going to be fantastic to watch. So um, let's, let's move on to today's matches because we had some excitement, you know, today as well. And I think, you know, just a, a cap on the finals for yesterday, I believe 38 goals scored. I didn't count them all, but um, 38 goals scored in, in the day. It just not quite the prolific goals that we saw yesterday today, but um, we certainly saw some plenty of goals today. So again, I'll give you the score lines from today earlier, Barcelona beating uh, Dinamo Kiev one nil uh, RB Salzburg. 3-1 over Wolfsburg. That's an interesting result there. Bayern Munich 4-0 over Benfica. Chelsea 4-0 over Malmo um, with some serious injury concerns coming out of that one. Lille and Sevilla draw 0-0. Man U on the comeback down 2-0 at the half. 
uh, beating Atalanta at Manchester 3-2 at Old Trafford. Uh, we go to Villarreal on the road beating Young Boys 4-1. And then, of course, for me, uh, my prize of the day, Juve with uh, Dejan Kulishevsky late goal, I think 86th minute, if I remember correctly, 1-0 over Zenit St. Petersburg. Um, certainly a big uh, big result that they needed to get in that one. Let's start with the Barca result, uh, Roberto, because 1-0 over Dimo Kiev in that one. Uh, Barca, a team coming into this competition, if I remember correctly, not even having a shot on goal in the first two matches, let alone a goal they hadn't scored at all. Gerard Piquet in the 36th minute on this one, and that was all they really managed, um, you know, into this in this entire match uh, at home at the Camp Nou against Dino Kiev. Um, the result puts them in striking distance of the top of the group, if I remember correctly, and I'm just looking it up right now, real quick. Uh, it puts them. Boy, I've lost my my Barca group here. Um, I'm sorry, here we go. Group E. It puts them at three points. Uh, obviously, Bayern Munich leading the way on nine, but certainly one point behind Benfica. Really, it washes away all the sins of the first three matches. And when they get Benfica coming up in a couple of weeks, which I think is going to be at the Camp Nou as well, um, certainly an advantage there for Barcelona. But massive concerns here. Only one goal, um, minimal shots, no offense. They've had injury concerns. They finally get Ansu Fati back, who got time in the second half here. But this is not uh, this is not the same Barcelona we're used to watching, my friend, right? No, no, it's not. And and you know, I, I think that was always going to be the case because it's a side that really have honestly just trying to really cope with the loss of their greatest player ever in Lionel Messi and. You know, I think the the win against Dynamo Kiev kind of softened the blow a little bit. But, you know, again, this is a side that has fallen on hard times. And, you know, I, I think, you know, like a lot of people would be very surprised if they don't advance to the round of 16. I'm sorry, they wouldn't be surprised if they don't advance to the round of 16. Um, but I, I think this side is definitely just seeing what they can do with what they have. Obviously, you know, their finances aren't exactly at its best case, but they are relying on a lot of youth. You know, they just tied in the players like Pedri and Azufati, um, obviously him, you know, the, the latter doing very well ever since coming back from injury. And, mm. you know, the, looking at the title race as well, I think they're like, what, seventh place or something. So not saying that they're out of it either, but it's looking to be very tough for them if they're really trying to fight for something. I, I think they definitely need to get something domestically. I'm not saying that they have the potential to win La Liga or the Champions League. I don't, I, I, but maybe they can go for the Europa League. I, I think that might be able to help them, you know, get some more finances and, and certainly at least provide some sort of uh, domestic, uh, sorry, um, you know, titles in, in some case. Even, you know, even in situations like this, you know, you got to appreciate what you have. And and I think that's something that maybe Barcelona need to do. And, and for Bayern Munich, I mean, <laughs> what more can you really say? I mean, you know, Lewandowski's playing way out of his mind. For me, the best strike in the world right now. Um, I, I think... Uh, Again, similar situation to what we're talking about with Liverpool. It's like they're there to go for that title. They know that, you know, the Bundesliga and the DFL uh, Pokal is not enough. They want to win the Holy Grail, which is the Champions League. So, and obviously Nagelsmann is a young manager and, and obviously has the experience already in this competition and obviously managing uh, teams as well in, in Germany. So, I, I think they, they are really looking into a good spot. And, you know, again, if, if unless Lewandowski gets stopped somehow, anything is possible for this Bayern side. Yeah, uh, you know, Bayern only one point ahead of Dortmund right now in the Bundesliga, but, you know, certainly looking in charge. And like you said, really looking on form, the goals they scored today were 
or top quality goals from you know you know textbook stuff you know whether it be free kick or the way they they move the ball down the field i think it was on their fourth goal um just their passing their crispness you see it, it it's just an amazing thing to watch um going back to barcelona barca like you said currently seventh in la liga uh they're only five points back of the late leaders real sociedad uh, not Real Madrid, not not uh, Atleti. Real Sociedad currently leading La Liga right now. Again, it's early days, but uh, Barca five points back and, and certainly have won two of their last three in um, in La Liga. And now, obviously, scoring today, it's a big win, and they've got a big challenge on the weekend coming up. So they're, they're certainly eyes all on Sunday, and we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Let's talk about the Chelsea-Malmo match um, because that is uh, – th- that's – you know, certainly a concerning match. Chelsea, big 4-0 victory over uh, over Malmo. Malmo hasn't scored a goal yet in the Champions League. Uh, but the big news out of this is Romelu Lukaku going down with what looks to be a, a significant ankle injury in the 23rd minute. And then soon after, Timo Werner going down with what looked to be a hamstring injury in the 44th minute, losing your two strikers right at the beginning. I know, again, they're, uh, they're playing Malmo. Malmo looks... Um, out of their depth in in the Champions League so far this season, they've not cons- they've not scored a goal yet. Uh, they were already up, uh, you know, Chelsea was already up two nil at this point when the injury bug struck them hard, and here we are, uh, you know, with with major concerns not only for Chelsea in league but also in Champions League because they're currently sitting in second. And again, I think they qualify moving forward, but the extent of the injuries are going to be a big concern for Thomas Tuchel and company coming up over the next few weeks and then going back into that second leg uh, in Malmo. What were your thoughts on Chelsea so far? Yeah, I, I think they, they definitely needed this result. I think certainly, you know, looking at the side as a whole and, and being the defending champions, I think we know that Tuchel has really been getting a lot of these players. You know, he's I think he's probably the he's, I, I saw a stat the other day saying that, you know, he's rotated every single, he's played every single player on the first team squad this season we're only like two months into the season so i think that's that's really good of what tuchel's flexibility is like and you know let's see what happens with Haver. i'm uh, sorry let's see what happens with lukaku and, and Werner's absence if that's going to be a big blow obviously lukaku is a towering striker that has all the the class and talent in the world and it's going to be a big loss for anyone especially now with Werner out so you know you have to look at the likes of what Haver's going to do we'll see if christian pulisic is back so that maybe he can provide some support but yeah, it's it's almost as if maybe Chelsea kind of regretted selling Tammy Abraham, and you see what he's doing over there at Roma, uh, you know, doing very well over there. It's almost as if, man, you wish you had him at the moment because he would have been perfect for a situation like this. But mm. um, you know, and in, in, in the case for Juve as well, I think they definitely have risen much more after their poor start in the domestically, and you know, obviously they're still not in the situation that they want to be in in the league, but they've definitely done better. And, you know, obviously in the Champions League, they've been perfect so far. Three wins, you know, obviously scoring five, haven't conceded yet. Allegri has done very well with the side. But uh, aside from really Chelsea and and even Zenit, have they really been tested? And that's the same for Chelsea as well. You know, I I think Mm -hmm. that's the only fact that, you know, I think Juve and Chelsea are just very much ahead of everyone at the moment that you would think that this group just doesn't have the bright test in it. And, you know, I think they we have to respect Zen and Imamo for who they are, but, you know, they're in a different class. But I, I think these teams, uh, both of them still feel confident of qualifying to the round of 16. It'll be a question of seeing who goes first. 
obviously the game in, in London um, in about a month uh, between Chelsea and Juve will probably decide that. But so far, it's looking good for, for the defending European champions and for your team, Joe. Yeah. Uh, Juve, obviously, uh, 1-0 over uh, Zenit earlier today. Juve run off a, a run of six straight victories. You, you mentioned Allegri, and obviously there was concerns, you know, when they open up with the 2-2 draw against Udinese, when they lose to Empoli uh, to open the season. You know, these are the these are the kind of things that were really starting to concern Juve fans, myself included. Um, but now they turned it around. They beat Roma on the weekend. They beat Chelsea in the Champions League. They've run off six straight matches. They're starting to look like that defensive side that you would expect an Allegri side to look like. And... Um, and, and I think, you know, at this point, that's that's promising for Juve fans. They've climbed their way up to seventh, you know, just because of goal differential. They actually would be uh, well into the Europa positions uh, if they, you know, if they were there. But Juve have not conceded a goal right now uh, since September 26th against Sampdoria, uh, another match that they won in this in this you know particular match streak. So they're they're doing the, the Allegri things. If you look at their results recently. Um, starting with Chelsea, after that Samp match, uh, they beat Chelsea 1-0. They beat Torino in the Derby 1-0. They beat Roma 1-0. They beat Zenit 1-0. I mean, everything is 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. Some of them early, some of them late. But I think the key for them is the fact that they've got that nil. They, you know, they, Before that, they'd run off a bunch of matches where they'd constantly conceded um, goals to the other team. Aside from Malmo, uh, the, they had conceded goals all season. Two to Udinese, one to Empoli. Two to Napoli, uh, one to AC Milan, two to Spezia, two to Samp. Uh, They've been conceding goals all the way. So here, I think we finally see the Allegri side start to take shape, and and Allegri's also been rotating quite a bit. You know, some some mainstays in that mat, in that team right now. You're seeing Leo Bonucci being a mainstay in there. You're seeing uh, Locatelli become a mainstay in there. Uh, and that's really and, and Federico Chiesa for the most part has become a, a mainstay. These are the guys that you ink in. Otherwise, he's rotating. Um, you know, Moise Kane's getting time. He's getting time with Morata because of Morata's injury. Um, Delict had an injury, so you're getting Chiellini shuffled in as well. Even a little splash of Rugani here and there. Um, Sandro Danilo Quadrado Decilio, who who supplied the cross today for Kulusevski's goal. Um, those guys are all getting rotated in as well. So I, you know. You're seeing a fresh side, and I think they're all finally starting to rebuy back into what Allegri is about, and and I think you're seeing the the product on the pitch. So, uh, you know things are pointing forward, and and we're going to talk about a big match for Juve coming up this weekend as well. So we'll, we'll get to that one in a minute. Um, you know, other than that, for the Champions League, this is kind of where we expected it to be. Um, I want to go through one more match before we we wrap that up, and that's United Atalanta. Um, you know. Obviously, Man United uh, winning 3-2 today. You are looking at a side that is currently leading Group F, uh, you know, with six points. And again, like I mentioned earlier, that, you know, the opening loss to Young Boys sent shockwaves through uh, through Manchester. Um, I even texted you at halftime and said, is Ole out at the end of this match? Because, you know, you look at Manchester United's run of form as of late, and it's been it's been questionable. It's been up and down. They they lost the you know they beat Atalanta today, but losing four two to Leicester City, they draw Everton. Um, you know they lose to Villa one nil in the Premier League. They they lose to West Ham in the EFL Cup. They're just dropping matches left and right, left and right, and there is not much faith in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I was listening to Brian Dunseth, who is, um, you know, a confessed Man United fan. And he's talking about how people were applauding uh, Ole because Ole made the right changes at halftime. Ole changed his tactics at halftime. He got it right, and, and, and United won. And he says, no, that's not the way you look at it because 
for the most part, Ole got got all his tactics wrong in the first half, and Atalanta jumped all over them. Um, United were much more dominant in the second half, but they had to be because they were chasing the game. So, you know, where do we stand, in your opinion, with, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, with United? I think ultimately that this team um, does, you know, come out of this group and goes into the knockout stages, but it is not by far a certainty because they're going to have to face Atalanta and Bergamo. They're going to have to face Villarreal, and, I, and I'm going to go look at that one real quick uh, because I'm not sure if that particular match is going to be, that, that match is going to be in Villarreal. So they're going to face their top two teams on the road. United have a tough road just to get out of this group. What are your thoughts here, man? Yeah, no, it's not looking pretty at all. I think um, obviously United have kind of been a bit uh, lack, not lackluster, but definitely inconsistent. I think certainly the way that they're performing is definitely not within the expectations as you would think. Um, you know, maybe the team just isn't good enough, and I get it. You have this like the you have likes of Ronaldo, you have Sancho, Pogba, and all those type of players, but are they really good enough? Are they really just names rather than just you know a cohesive side? We don't know, and you know performances like they have, um, you know, Joe. If you think about it, they they. They either have lost or they have not taken the lead in any of these games. Um, aside from, well, you know, obviously they took the lead in the in the young boys game, but they ended up losing. But against Villarreal, they conceded first. Against Atalanta, they also conceded first. So it's almost as if are they really showcasing themselves? And you know, Ronaldo, fantastic in this competition, as we know, kind of really saving them uh, both those times uh, now to Villarreal and uh, from Villarreal and now to Atalanta. So I think in this. In this competition, they have enough, but um, you don't know what's going to happen and if that's going to be equated to what's going on in the league. And I think we're still, I think we still have an open group, though. Think about it, Joe. I think we still have an open group. When you think about, it. okay, maybe young boys kind of are slipping out there, but Villarreal and Atalanta are still fighting it out. And what bet? What great way to to end that group with both of them playing? So I, I think that I think this group. Is not yet decided, Joe. Thinking no. if you think about it, I think it's still up there. I think you're still going to see your suspects like United and Atalanta possibly getting there, but I would not be surprised if this group doesn't go all the way to the end, which would be the final match day on December eighth. It'd be funny to see young boys win the uh, the return leg in uh, in Old Trafford uh, at the on the last match day to knock them out. That would be uh, you know high drama to say the least. Um, but it's 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 interesting the roller coaster ride that right now United fans and United themselves are on, because it just seems like when they look incredible they find a way to look terrible, and when they look terrible they find a way to look incredible. And the inconsistency I think is right now what's what's weighing on United fans you know through and through. So let's look, you know I'm going to take one quick run through with the groups because I want to see I, I think we're at a point now where teams can qualify for the knockout stages. So looking at right now, and I'm, and again, this is all quick math in my brain. Um, I'm going to try to do my best with PSG right now facing Leipzig. Uh, I don't think they can qualify if club, you know, they're, they're re- reliant on other results, you know, meaning the club Brugge Manchester city match. Uh, so they can't just find their way into the next round just yet. So group a will not, you know, should not be decided on the, on the next day. Liverpool at, uh, in Group B will go through if they beat Atleti uh, on, the, on the match day. They'll have 12 points, and Atleti will not be able to catch them. So Liverpool, with a victory at Anfield coming up in the second leg, will be able to go through. Ajax, same idea. I think at this point they probably only need a draw to get through. Uh, I don't think Sporting can catch them, so they would be through to the next round. 
Uh, the interesting one here, Sheriff Tiraspol and Real Madrid. Obviously, Tiraspol is going to face Inter at home. Real Madrid, I believe, goes on the road to Shakhtar. Uh, let me just double check that. No, I'm sorry. They're at no, home. no, no, they're, they host. That's right. They're at the Bernabeu for uh, for Shakhtar. This is interesting. Just doing the math real quick. If Shakhtar and uh, I'm sorry, if Real Madrid and Sheriff Tiraspol both win, they will both be on nine points. Uh, that means uh, Inter can still catch both of them. So nothing will be decided there because Inter could win their last two matches after that, uh, go to 10 points, and then with double losses to Tiraspol and Real Madrid could go through. So nothing will be decided in Group D. Uh, Bayern Munich, I mean, all but through. They are five points ahead of Benfica. They're going to take that next match, which is going to be Benfica at home. Uh, you know, 12 points will certainly see them through. Barca, even if they win, will probably not be able to, if they win out, will probably not be able to um, knock them out. I would say Bayern Munich wins the group if they beat Benfica coming up. Uh, we just discussed at length. Manchester United, Atalanta, Atalanta, Villarreal, and Young Boys, that is not getting decided this week. Um, also, not getting decided. Salzburg, Sevilla, Lille, and Wolfsburg. Uh, Salzburg are going to face Sevilla next and currently leading, um, I'm sorry, uh, Salzburg face Wolfsburg, Sevilla faces Lille and currently, uh, Sevilla four points ahead. I, I don't see that one getting, you know, mathematically decided where Salzburg are through that would put them on 10 points. Uh, and if Lille or Wolfsburg win, um, well, if Wolfsburg wins, then it doesn't matter. But if Lille wins, then, uh, then they still wouldn't be, uh, mathematically through, but Salzburg could potentially go there. Last one, Juve, Chelsea, Zenit, Malmo. Juve can go through. They would actually go to 12 points. Zenit would be on three. Um, they're not going to be able to make up nine points when only six are available. So Juve, um, and actually depending on what time the two matches finish, either Bayern Munich or Juventus could be the first team to go through to the next round of the Champions League, the knockout stages, when we return, my friends. So um, that is our recap of the Champions League at the halfway point. I do want to give you a match of the week real quick. I know we kind of you know, uh, drifted from the norm of our show here. But this week, we've got some fantastic matches on Sunday. I will not be totally available to watch them all, but uh, my friend, I know you will be watching. And if and when you're watching, you always do a great job of keeping me updated if I'm in the middle of something. So on Sunday, and I don't have times in front of me. Actually, I'm a, I'm a jerk. I can really, if you don't mind waiting a minute, I can definitely go through any any closing thoughts uh, on the um, on the Champions League so far, my friend, uh, before we give you the full match of the week rundown? Yes, go for it. Okay. So, uh, like I said, big matches coming up on the weekend. There was a great tweet by, um, by Gab Marcotti about this. 11.30 a.m., Manchester United-Liverpool are going to kick off, and certainly one that's going to be m- magnificent. Uh, 2.45 p.m. These are not in time order, by the way, but this all is going to happen within the matter of seven hours. Marseille-PSG, the big derby, 2.45 p.m. on that one. In Italy, Inter-Juve, 2.45 p.m. Uh, on that one as well. Um, I am missing the one match that is going to be the biggest one of them all, and that is in Spain because we have El Clasico. That's going to be your first match to kick everything off. 10.15 a.m., Camp No, Barcelona, Real Madrid. This is going to be something that is, you know, even though Barca's on on the downswing and, and Real Madrid is holding steady to the upswing, you have to throw everything out because this is the Classico. This is the one that everybody circles on the calendar and, and all bets are off when this happens. And and since we're doing it in Barcelona, even more uh sting to the you know, to the sauce here. So I, I think we're gonna see uh a great matchup to kick us off. And again, like I said, starting at ten fifteen AM, going all the way to about five o'clock on Sunday, make sure you've got nothing going on because you want to be in front of a television with a lot of streaming services. So 
Uh, my friend, that is our recap of the Champions League and a quick little match of the week. Any uh, other thoughts you want to add before we close it out, before we hit the closing music? Uh, no. Uh, I guess bring in some more popcorn. Bring in some. party drum. Hey, hey, amen, my friend. Let's uh, let's bring in the popcorn and the closing music at the same time. So, and again, you know, uh, we apologize that we our our scheduling has not been consistent, but we are attempting to do our best to get back on a regular schedule. So, for episode three thirty nine of Low Limit Football, I want to thank my co-host, Mr. Roberto Rojas, for for helping us navigate through the Champions League today. Again, we are off this weekend, but next week we will return and prep you for the second leg of Champions League, and we'll look at all the big matches in Europe. So. For episode 339 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Roberto Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night.